we'll put a pin in it. Because, oh, wow, look at this class act. Don Cherry's got nothing on that jacket. That's that's the wrong button. That's the right button. Welcome to the show, Donnie Harris Jr. How's it going, guys? Well, we're just, uh, it's going. First show of 2022. We've already driven our only fan away. Uh... Because we were too, what did he say? Negative. We were too negative. But hey. Oh, you said something he didn't agree with. Oh my gosh. That's what happens, Donnie. That's what we do. People don't like what we Wait, say. He just drained that bottle. Look at that. <laughs> I missed it's that. like Cole Bohannon showed up. Uh, speak- oh, yeah. Cole Bohannon, CB Attitude. CB. Uh-huh. Speaking of Cole Bohannon, I've heard, are you his personal elf? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Cole Bohannon can't afford my services um, to be his personal advocate. And he's, no, he's going to need to win a few more matches before he gets up the pay for me to work for him. But a good, I mean, you know, great competitor, um, always has something to say and backs it up in the ring. So you have to give him that. Um, For those people, for those people that don't know, Donnie Harris Jr., uh, uh, the voice of not only CCW down in Florida, but a lot of the other promotions uh, in Florida, which I don't know any of those names. I'm hoping you can help me with those. I do know that and correct me if I'm wrong, Spinebuster promotion, you would consider your home promotion? Yes, uh, Spinebuster Championship Wrestling out of Valdosta, Georgia, okay. uh, is, a, is one of the companies that I work for. Um, when COVID happened, they've been on kind of a hiatus. Gotcha. But yeah, they um, they're the closest to my ha- they're the closest to my home. Well, I live in Florida, but I'm like not too far from the state line, so geographically, they are the closest promotion to me. I'll tell you what, Donnie, I am terrible with geography. I think I just learned that Georgia is the state above Florida. Yep. That's, is that correct? Wow. Yeah, um, Georgia Georgia, and Alabama are right above us. Oh, Alabama. Shout out to D-Rod. D-Rod, a great wrestling fan from Alabama. The only one from what I have learned. The only one with any knowledge. Um. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. I digress. I see you're also wearing a loud suit tonight. Uh, something I have grown to know you for. Um, what goes into selecting your jackets? Um, a lot of people ask me that question, and it's real simple. I wait for my paycheck. I get online. I find something that I like. I buy it, and I wait for that Amazon box to get to my door. That's really about all the thought that goes into it. Do you, do you like, uh, like colors? Do you string? Okay. Um, you have a, a big show. What was that? What was that? Uh, uh, Wrestle Bash. Wrestle Bash. Do you, do you incorporate colors? Do you say, oh, Wrestle Bash, the, the, the theme, the scheme for these colors are this, this, and do you placate off of that? Um, no, I never really color coordinate with the event I'm going to. I mean, professional wrestling by its very nature is a very colorful business. So I feel like, you know, just so long as I have something that 
fits the occasion and that it looks flashy, then that's all that matters. So, you know, I don't put that much thought press into it. I do have certain jackets and certain neckties that I wear for, like, really special occasions, like if it's an an a one-year anniversary or a two-year anniversary. Um, I have my special occasion necktie, which, I mean, if you look through my um, social media, you can see me wearing it a handful of times. But for the most part, I mean, I just go through my closet. Oh, I think I'll wear this one, throw it in the suitcase, and head to the venue. Um, speaking of Cole Bohannon, he is here in the chat and says uh, that your jackets are made of great toilet paper. Or make, make, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I stepped on my own words, make for great toilet paper. Mm. Yes. Well, yeah. I, you know, Cole Bohannon always has something to say. Always. What you going to do? You know, Cole Bohannon, he likes to brag about, uh, you know, doing one show for Dory Funk. I'm actually a student of Dory Funk Jr.'s. I spent the first eight months of my career working for the man. Interesting. Uh, at the at the Funkin' Dojo, I would I would uh, presume. Um, yes. Um, Dory is the greatest human being, one of the greatest human beings I ever met in my life that's not my mom, my dad, or my stepfather. Uh, just you, you meet him and automatically you kind of think of him as a third grandpa, if you will. Just a class act. I don't have an. I could spend the whole rest of this podcast talking about how nice Story Funk Jr. is. So this is interesting to me. So you you train at Dory Funk's place. You're yes. ring, you're a ring announcer, interviewer, uh, a Mean Gene type of guy. That's the vibe I get. Big Mean Gene fan myself. Um, what like? How does that training work? Do you take do you go in and say, "Oh, oh, oh, Mr. Funk, I, I want, I want to be an announcer. I want to be a ref." Do you take bumps? How, how does the training differ, or does it? Um, for me, it was, uh, for me, it was just um the first night that I worked with them, and I think the clips are up on YouTube somewhere. They just needed a ring announcer, and um, I hadn't quite figured out what I wanted to do. In the wrestling business, I have a saying: you want to be a wrestler or you want to be in the wrestling business. I'm five foot one, 120 pounds. Being a wrestler probably right. isn't the best option for me. Um, and the crowd just kind of liked my voice, and I'm just like, oh, I kind of like this ring announcer thing. So I just took it from there. Interesting. Um, and I okay, so we'll we'll get we'll get back to that. You take the training from there. We'll get back to your um, announcing. And uh, you do a lot of interviews, but I want you to inform me how Mike Awesome versus I believe his name is Tanaka from uh, the summer of 2000, how that blew your mind, opened you up to this great world of wrestling. Oh, yes. Okay. So you've been watching some of my old interviews. Uh, um, yeah, I yeah. prep. I'm having to go back to, you know, summer of 2000. It might have been a little bit before, but my cousin had videotapes, and he, he recorded the the um, the ECW shows. And I knew what wrestling was, but I hadn't become a fan. So he, he plays that tape for me. And you've got, if I remember serves, Mike Awesome is in the back. He's the belt's over his shoulder, and he's jacked to the gills. He's got the mullet flapping behind him. And he looks into the camera, and he just talks about how he's going to powerbomb Masato Tanaka through a table. And I had just never seen that before. And just something in it just clicked for me. 
And, you know, you watch the match, and he followed through, and I was hooked ever since. And then, you know, you start watching. I started watching WWE, and my love for wrestling just kind of took over from there, and I was a, I've been a fan ever since. So, and, and I can totally relate with that. I'm a little older, but I, I get it. Um, I, I, I get what pulls you in. Um, but when did Donnie Harris Jr. get the actual bug, the itch for the business to then seek out the Funkin' Dojo? It was end of 2017. I was pretty much done being a wrestling fan. Um, I was burnt out. I was like, you know what? Wrestling always changes. Everything changes. And I was just like, the product really just isn't for me anymore. Um, and anyways, but I started hearing about how great NXT was. I'd listen to podcasts and all that. And I watched, I believe the match was Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas. Yep. And the best way I can describe it, and you'd understand this, I felt it again. Mm-hmm. You, that feeling, that excitement, that oh my God. Um, and it just lit the fire up under me and... I was at a place in my life financially where I had a steady job, had a steady paycheck, had a place to live. Um, I was like, okay, you know, now's the time for me to pursue this dream because all my real world stuff is steady, is, is taken care of. So I just looked around and Dory Funk's um, dojo, it was the closest school to me uh, geographically. It was only about 60 miles from my house. So I emailed him and they, you know, I went in, paid my tuition and, Took off from there in June of 2018. I think that was the date, somewhere in there. What resonates the most with you from, you said he was like a third grandpa, nicest guy around. What resonates? Can you pick one thing that resonates the most with you? Um, Not any one particular thing. Um, I mean, you know, he just always had little, I mean, being that I was a ring announcer, he was mainly talking to the wrestlers, but you know, we would exchange conversations now and then, you know, he just always he always emphasized respect. Uh, that was a big thing for Dory Funk Jr. and everybody he taught. Just respect for the business, respect for each other. Uh, that was something that he constantly uh, tried to instill. You know, always shake a man's hand, always look him in the eye. You know, really stuff that any good father would tell his son. Uh, stuff that my father and my stepfather both told me. But you know, he would just reaffirm that. You know, just be respectful, be helpful. You know, earn your paycheck. Pay your dues. Um, Exactly. Speaking of people that are are not respectable, Cole Bohannon is uh, demanding we ask you how tall you are again. I am. I'm five foot one. Five foot one, knee high to a to Cole Bohannon's ankles. I guess, or something like that. Um. So, okay, so you fall in love with wrestling, um, you, you're in the right place, you you seek out Dory Fung Jr., great school, exactly what you should be doing, um, but that isn't where your announcing uh, journey begins, um, so, so let us know uh, where it began and why you told everybody to take off their garments. <laughs> Oh, God, yes. So my first gig actually wasn't in pro wrestling. My first gig was a PA announcer 
for my local college. Uh, PA announcer is similar to a ring announcer. You introduce the teams, you know, say when the home team scores and stuff like that. But yes, um, my first my first night there, and the athletic director has really put in a good word for me. The president of the college is there, and they hand me a script, and it says, re, you know, remove head garments. And I'm all nervous, so I start reading from the script, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, please rise and remove your garments from the playing of our national anthem. And, yeah, um, <laughs> I turned about as red as one of my um, jackets. Luckily, you know, the crowd just kind of laughed it off, and we went on with playing the national anthem, and nothing else came of it. But just in that moment, you know, I was like, well, been all of 30 minutes, and this career is already over. Nice run. <laughs> But luckily, you know, they were all of good humor, and uh, I've been with the college now for four years. I uh, started as a volunteer. They put me on the payroll as their official PA announcer and love working for them. Um, how – I'm going to get back to the, the wrestling a, a announcing and, and, and all that, but I'm thinking of, of – uh, I played basketball. I'm thinking of the PA announcers. Um, what goes – are the – preparing is the prep work the same i mean uh you're you're, you're pulling people in you, you you're a pitch man you're a salesman you you, you want to get them in how is the the preparation for a basketball pa guy and a ring announcer um there i mean you i use the same inflections the same tone but you actually it's a little bit easier um, PA announcing than ring announcing in my experience and that, you know, I don't have to stand in the center of a ring. Um, really, you just kind of go in, you make sure you have your bottle of water to keep your throat dry. They'll have, they'll usually have a script with the sponsors, the starting lineups. And, um, you know, uh, you just kind of sit down and you go through it, make sure the biggest thing, is, you know, just make sure that you say all the names correctly. Yeah. Cause um, you know, down here in Florida, we have a lot of foreign students, and he, and some of them have rather unique names. So the biggest the biggest thing for me is you know just going to the coaches, make sure we have the right starting lineup, um, and making sure I have the prop for enunciations for the uh, visiting team and for our home team. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could do that because I I don't I can't read very well. But you get the height and the weight and everything, right? For the for the basketball players, um, it, for it, a basketball. Player, it usually goes like um, their number, which position they're playing, right. you know, center, point guard, shoot guard, yeah. where they're from, and their height. Right. Okay, yeah. And oh, then follow. Yeah, weight's probably not, not on there. Um, back to the wrestling. Uh, when I was preparing for you, um, you give me a – how do I want to put this? You give me a Howard Finkel, Mean Gene, <laughs> Harvey Wimpleman. Uh, vibe. Uh, that's a, that's that's the vibe I get. I would take them all and I would squish them together and I would get Donnie Harris Jr. That's that's how I come up with how I can relate with you. Um, did any do any of those guys? Did any of them inspire you? Uh, did you did you look to any of them? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Um. To answer your question, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, I grew up in the late Attitude Era, early Ruthless okay. Aggression Era, but the era of wrestling that I truly loved was the era that I didn't grow up on, the Interesting. 80s. Interesting. And, you know, and like watching 
because you know you you'd rent the videos from VH you know the VHS videos from Blockbuster if anybody remembers that. Right. And I'd watch the old videos of Hulk Hogan, and there's little Mean Gene Okerlund sitting there holding the mic. And even back then, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I can't be a wrestler, but I bet I could do that. Yeah. So, yeah, Mean Gene was a big influence on me, even though, you know, he had kind of come before me. Um, another man that I really looked up to at the time, excuse me, uh, an announcer that I really like, looked up to, maybe I don't so much copy his style, but he inspired me, was Joey Styles. Ah. Um, very underrated. And, yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say my commentary style is like his, I don't think, but it, it just um, certain things, certain little nuances that he did, I really liked. Um, I think his partnership with Joel Gertner was great, but, you know, again, that was just what I was exposed to because I caught the tail end of ECW. I didn't, like, get to see a lot of their glory days because, yeah. I mean, I was way too young. Mama wasn't going to have me <laughs> watching that. Did you go back like and ever watch any of that stuff? Say what now? Did you go back and ever watch any of that stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, ECW was – I mean, ECW was – I mean, you could say it was ahead of its time or it was of its time, just I guess depending on what you ask. But, yeah, I love the old ECW stuff. There was a lot of old wrestling yeah. that I loved. I like watching old Smoky Mountain uh, videos, that, uh, Jim Cornette's promotion from the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm reading books on the history of Memphis Championship Wrestling – Way back in the seventies, uh, a lot of a lot of cool things happened back then. You know, it was um, I, I I just I like researching the history as much as I like finding out what's going on right now as far as wrestling goes. What was that? Say that again. Oh, I, I said I, I like researching the history of pro wrestling as much as I like, you know, keeping up what's going on now. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's good shit. Um. Howard Finkel, I think every announcer I've ever spoken to has a a place in their heart set aside for Howard Finkel. Um, does he have that place in your heart as well? Oh, of course, yes. Um, you know, I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you not? Yeah, um, exactly. the man, the man's voice was just transcendent. I like, you know, I'd almost say like, um. I don't know what God sounds like, but if I would imagine God might sound like Michael Buffer or Howard Finkel, um, you know, if I did know what God sounded like. Right. Um, yes, Howard Finkel has a special place in my heart. Um, you know, there are a lot of ring announcers that I look to for inspirations. Uh, Justin Roberts, um, Robert, who was kind of the voice of my wrestling childhood. You know, I was I was a big fan of his work and how he said things like The Undertaker or John Cena. I, I do a bad um, Justin Roberts impression, but yeah, you know, I look, I've looked to every ring announcer I can to try to get inspiration. You know, okay, he did it that way. Maybe I can take a bit of that and change it just a little. Um, you know, a lot of them have a special place in my hearts. But long, long-winded answer, I know, but yeah. yes, uh, Howard Finkel definitely. I was very sad when he passed on, um, but I mean, it hurts every time we lose a legend in the wrestling business. For sure. And, and we've talked about a lot of these legends and inspirations and people that you look up to. Um, but how does Donnie Harris take those inspirations um, and, and take them and absorb them and set himself apart? Because that's what ultimately you want to do that. You want to take the best aspects of, of the people you look up to, absorb them, make them your own. So how do you how are you setting yourself apart? 
Um, oh, good question. It's it's something you know, I just kind of do. I guess the best way I could put it was just you know just intuitively. I you know I listen to how other ring announcers say names, uh, how they put inflections on things, and when I'm in the ring, I'm just like, okay, maybe I need to do it this way or I need to do it that way. Um, it's kind of it, it's hard to put into words. Right. I mean, you know, obviously one of the ways I set myself apart is you know my wardrobe. Um, everybody you know everybody remembers who I am, even if they can't always remember my name. Um, that, that's something that, uh, Mikey Whipwreck, uh, just talking about ECW, I went to a seminar him and Jerry Lynn did, and that was one thing him and Jerry Lynn really instilled in that seminar was setting yourself apart. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm that flashy salesman, you know, I'm that billboard sign that grabs people's attention. And now that I have their attention, I tell them about the cool product I have to sell, which is pro wrestling action. And that's the way that I kind of set my, I try to set myself apart. Um, spectacular and that's what you should do you should absorb uh everything that you can um and, and and set yourself apart now before we get to uh stampede which you got coming up um i i i have to ask you uh let me see i mean ho- hopefully i have my inf- information correct D- uh did you how do i say this nicely uh did you almost die in a car accident and it, do you want to talk about that um, yes, I, I don't mind talking about that. Yes, uh, March, m- March of last year, I was doing a show in Daytona Beach, Florida. I'd already worked a 40-hour shift at my regular job, or 40 hours at my regular job. This was on a Friday. I did a show in Daytona Beach, Florida, which is on one side of the state, and I had a show Saturday in Pensacola, Florida, which is on the other side of the state. And my plan was to get back to uh, my hometown sleep you know sleep for a few hours and then head on to Pensacola. I was about three miles from my house, fell asleep behind the wheel. No. Yep. Excuse me. And crashed into a tree. Yeah. I broke both my tibia and fibia and wound up losing forty centimeters of my small intestine. Damn. Uh you know, my I yeah, it, it was pretty traumatic. I um, can imagine. I spent two weeks in the hospital. Yeah. I had I had a feeding tube put down my nose i had three or four five i think i had three surgeries over the course of that two weeks uh the thing that probably hurt the most was when i was laying it's kind of freaky i'm laying in bed and like i come out of anesthesia and i feel around on my stomach and there's a ball on my stomach and the doctors tell me where your organs were so swollen you're you're actually we've cut you open and we have this ball on your stomach and we're letting your, your organs are like unswelled Gotcha. So that was a pretty freaky thing. Uh, the thing that hurt the most was, you know, just my mother coming in, and you know, she just kind of sees her son laying there. I'm an only child, and you know, uh, just the, the the fear and all that in her eyes at the time. I mean, that hurt worse than any of the procedures. So yeah. you know, I was being dumb. You know, um, don't drive drowsy. Yeah. That's the biggest takeaway. I say this to every wrestler or worker in this industry: ride together. Yeah. Stop. You know, take a power nap at that rest stop. Um, don't try to power through it. You know, avoid the avoid the mistake that I made because I was that had the tree moved just any little bit, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Yeah. You know, just thank God I got through that. So I mean, yeah, I, I don't mind talking about it. If if it if it helps someone else not go through that, then you know, at yeah. least some good came out of it. I, I'll piggyback on that for a bit. When I was in ninth grade, which was a long, long time ago. Uh, my older sister, the same thing happened 
to her, she was coming back from work. She was drowsy. Uh, she veered over into the other lane and went oh God. right o- right under the first set of wheels of a Mack truck. I believe it was Coca-Cola. Right under the first set mm. of wheels, hit the second set, and fuck, man. I mean, uh, you know, the seatbelt kept her alive, but I, I, I remember it. Uh, I got pulled out of school. Uh, a lot of uh, hip, punctured lung. I mean, I was young, but there was a lot of shit at that time. And I remember my dad telling me um, he doesn't remember how he got to the hospital. He drove himself there, but he doesn't remember doing it because he said he was in shock. Uh, He kind of, I guess, blacked out, which is another scary thing in itself. Um, So I definitely can relate and and stand by that. But please, uh, ride with someone. Don't drive drowsy. Uh, and buckle up. So, I think that's a good message to pass out there, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on the on better things, though. Uh, you have, on January 22nd, uh, we got an event. Uh, I believe it's a... Is it the CCW Stampede? Is it a Stampede? Yes, um, yeah. CCW Stampede 31, January 22nd, at the Eagle View Academy in Jacksonville, Florida. Um. Take us through. How how are you gonna prepare for that? What's what's the first thing you're gonna do? Um, well, the first thing the first thing I do for any show, yeah, I find out what the match cards are. Okay. So I set up my cards. I also, you know, I also do commentary. Yep. So I also have to prepare my notes on for that, and I usually I usually kind of like it's kind of like cramming before a test. I usually wait one or two day nights before. Um, the whole card isn't set just isn't set yet. But, you know, you just, just get all the information, right? It's like preparing for a test. I mean, it's kind of routine for me at this point. But, you know, you want to make sure you have all the weights of the wrestlers, right? You want to make sure you know who your champions are. Um, you know, I want to record any any information because as a commentator, my, my, my partner, Jimmy Rosendorf, handles most of the play-by-play. It's more my job to, you know, and fill the, fill the fans in on the history between the wrestlers. Now, nice. why is this happening to them at this point in time? Uh, color commentary right right um but um um the big the big selling point for stampede 31 is you know we're having the 20 the 20 man over the top rope battle royal where the winner will face defending world champion darion drummond in the main event or in the main event of that show also a a match that was signed uh if you've been i don't know i mean i don't know how well you know the product at the moment but chris turner cost the new breed Landon Cruz the World Heavyweight Championship. Landon Cruz won it for the third time way back at WrestleBash of last year. Turner comes in, gives him a pile driver, and then um, Cecil Andrews was able to cash in his ruler of the ring policy okay. and get the belt from Landon Cruz. So Landon Cruz is a little uh, pissed off at Turncoat Turner, and our our commissioner has signed the match in. Uh, signed the match, made it official, and Landon Cruz is Landon Cruz has been a pretty nice guy. I've never really seen him show a lot of anger, but he is pissed. I would at be Chris too. Turner, and yeah. I'm scared what he's going to do to that man. Oh man, I don't want to be that guy. That's the last guy I want to be. Um, at, okay, so at Stampede, um, you, you, as you said, color commentator, you're filling people in. 
Um, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna pull the curtain back just a little, not much, because I like to keep it kayfabe. Um, do you prefer to know the outcomes, or would do you prefer to be surprised? Uh, to quote an old Burt Reynolds movie, "All dogs go to heaven." Let me be surprised. There you go. There you go. Does it make your announcing better when you we get that true, honest, natural reaction? Yes. Um, I agree. You know, natural reactions are what you want. Um, you know, if it's forced, or if it's you know if it's too forced or all that, people can tell. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, we you have you have a, we have wrestling fans are you know more informed and educated than they were um, in prior generations, and so yes, you know it, it can. Yes, I mean you want as natural as you can possibly get in this business. I agree. Um, Donnie, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you the typical question: Where would you like to see yourself, or what are your goals? I'm going to tell you where I see you. Uh, <laughs> I see you, and I can see. I can almost see it already happening. I see you at MLW. I can see it. That that would be a dream gig. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, MLW Major League Wrestling. Uh, I watched them on the Sunshine Network down here in Florida okay. way back in '03 during their first run. So I have a long history with MLW as a fan. Um, I think they're about as they're about as close as you can get to a modern territory wrestling show. Uh, they put out a great product. I would be honored to be a part of what they do. I agree. Um, but reality I mean, of wrestling too. Reality of wrestling. Good one. It's a good one. Good job, Vanessa. Um, I I mean, obviously, the main promotions. Everyone would love to do that. I just, it's it's the the vibe I get from him with his suits, his persona, the way he stretches things out. He's a showman. He's a friggin' showman, and he's major league. And and that's where I see him. So. We'll talk to Corbauer. We'll we'll get him on the line, and uh, we'll do something for you. For sure. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. But I mean, you know, and by the same token, you know, I'm proud to be a member of CCW. I mean, Dory trained me, but it was CCW that gave me my first shot. Yeah. Uh, they took a chance on me, and without them, none of this would have been possible. Uh, that's why I've been a loyal. You know, I've tried to be a loyal employee. I mean, they've. They've, you know, they've promoted me to commentator as well. Yeah, they let me, ho- I host the show sometimes with Jimmy Rosendorf as needed. So, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping this year that CCW, we take that next step. You know, we get those larger venues. We get those bigger crowds because we have the talent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I see it happening and I really hope it does. And I, I hope to be along for the ride. And, you know, who knows um, with everything that we've got going on, I hope one day that we see a CCW, someone on the CCW roster, you know, be for one of the big two, whether it be on WWE or AEW. I really think CCW could get there at some point. You know, be that, you know, be that in between promotion, be that springboard to um, going on to like the big big leagues. Um, if you had to pick, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. If you had to pick one of the wrestlers on the CCW roster right now to take that springboard leap. Uh, and see him on one of the main two or three, whatever. 
uh, who would it be? There are several that come to mind. Um, you know, I mentioned him early. Landon Cruz Man. is ready. Landon Cruz is a three-time CCW World Heavyweight Champion, former Southern States Champion. Landon Cruz has climbed just about every mountain that you can climb here in CCW. Landon Cruz is ready. He has business to finish with Chris Turner, but I could easily see Landon Cruz moving on to the next level. The Southern States Champion, the Machine Bryce Maddox, phenomenal guy. You know, the whole point of holding the Southern States title is defending that title, racking up wins, and then getting a shot for the World Heavyweight Championship. I see great things for him. Cobra Singh, you might not like his methods, but I could see him. I could see him making it to the next level. And least I forget, the Alaskan Titan, the Ice Road Titan, Colossal Cody Knight, stands six foot seven, has one of the longest win streaks in CCW history. Questing for the World Heavyweight Championship right now. I can see him at the next level. I, you know, um, I'm sure somehow, some way, Cole Bohannon might can talk his way, and in, you know, into him, uh, in way up there sometime. You know, so those guys definitely, yeah. I could see making the next step. Uh, and then we've got a lot of guys in training right now that I could see making that next step. Um. You know, and I, and I hope one day to see them. I'd love to see them walking out and maybe, you know, in their interest gear, they have a CCW shirt on. But, you know, it all starts with us. Yeah. And I hope one day, I mean, obviously I hope to make it myself, but one day I hope to see one of the wrestlers that I've introduced here in CCW, you know, their name in the bright lights on a big poster. And I can point and say, I helped. I helped make that just a little bit. I put that guy over. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that, I know that's a long-winded, yeah. I know that's no. long-winded but, um, yeah, that, that's what I see. That's what I see. Well, Donnie, uh, what we do at the end of every show, and first of all, thanks for joining us tonight. You look phenomenal. Thank you for having me. You're definitely classing up the joint. Uh, what we do at the end of every show is I'm going to give you the mic now. Uh, you can put yourself over, put CCW, you can let us know where to find you, you can you can talk, you, you can say anything you want, Donnie, I'm not going to interrupt, the floor is yours. Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for having me, do not forget, January 22nd at the Eagle View Academy in Jacksonville, Florida, Stampede 31 is going downtown, you can find your, you can call us for your tickets, be sure to check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Ringside Pitchman. a big thank you to the Putting Over podcast for having me over here as a guest and getting to do what I do, thanks guys, really appreciate it. Awesome, Donnie, you're welcome back anytime, uh, you get a great voice, great mind, and obviously a great look, uh, thanks for giving us your time tonight, and uh, have a oh, great night. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, have a great night, for sure. All right, you too. Peace.